0: Hi, I'm Shelley. I'm Cam. And this is translating ADHD. So once again, our last couple of episodes have centered around how much the world has changed in the last few weeks, and we're going to continue bringing you these very timely topics and sort of parking our pre-recorded topics that we had before this pandemic really began. So I'm going to give you the date. We are recording on Monday, March. 30th. And the reason we're giving the date is because things can change very quickly in the course of even one week. So we want you to know when it was that we were having this conversation. So last week, we talked about snow day mentality and sort of what is going on for us and our clients around decreased demand or decreased urgency less demands on our bandwidth, less urgent tasks in our life as we all shift from working in an office and working on things that were previously important to working from home and sort of calling down to what really matters. Today, we want to kind of look at the opposite side of that though, because for many of our clients, it's more complicated than that. There is decreased urgency and in many areas, there is decreased demand on bandwidth. But the other side of that coin is where the increases on demand to our bandwidth in terms of emotional load, in terms of those of you dealing with having the whole family at home. I imagine ages of children comes into play here because Cam, Uh. you and I both have older children, relatively self-sustaining people. But if you have young children that normally go to daycare or to preschool or kindergarten and they're home and they have high needs during the day, that's a very different scenario. So we're going to dig in around this stuff and kind of look at the opposite side of what we talked about yesterday because it's not, yes, there is decreased demand and there is opportunity, but we have to acknowledge that that's not the whole picture. Cam, you want to say more about that?
1: Yes, Shelly. That was a great intro, by the way. And I think that when we talk about bandwidth, we're really talking about the part of the brain that that is suspect with respect to ADHD, and that's the prefrontal cortex. And I think that going back to last week, we are trying to succeed in a neurotypical world. And we really don't appreciate how hard our prefrontal cortexes are working, working to make sense of the day, make sense of time, to line up these tasks, to line up these meetings. It is demanding. And so there's that, our, our bandwidth, our ability to attend, to focus, to activate for task, to show up at the right time, at the right place. So I go back to uh, right your meeting, where you went, and your 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 uh, Trip Advisor sent you, or your GPS sent you in in the opposite or different direction, right?
0: Yeah, sent me to the wrong location. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know,
1: looking at this prefrontal cortex, and last week we looked at okay, when that urgency goes away, what happens? Today, we're looking at, understandably, this. New reality that we're living in is going to be a trigger that many of us. I, I liken the ADHD experience to like a, a Blade Runner, Blade Runner in the sense of running along a very narrow edge between a state of overwhelm and a state of ambivalence that we can. We have this balancing act, and so this COVID experience is going to trip us into where it takes our prefrontal cortex offline. I call that a state of overwhelm. Prefrontal cortex goes offline, and then we resort back to our limbic system, our emotional brain, and all kinds of interesting manifestations can occur there. And so that's what we're going to look at today. I think that there's two in particular. One is the the cognitive overwhelm, where it's just sort of like the brain is kind of like, uh, and this is the perfect scenario of Things don't compute. What computes now is doesn't make sense. We were talking about this before the call of of this not knowing. How is this going to play out? But when we kind of trigger this this tripwire and the prefrontal cortex goes offline, it can really set us up for for some behaviors that are not working for us. There's a, a, a model that I'd like to introduce early so that the the listeners have a reference to that. And it's what's called the DAM model. And you and I both use this. Um, And I think it's such an appropriate time to share that, D-A-M. And so D-A-M is basically in descending order. If you imagine sort of on the surface, you've got a shovel, right on the surface is distracting behavior. That there's distracting behavior. And when we are offline, When we don't want to face something or it's hard to face a situation, we can resort to distraction and be more susceptible to distraction. If you take your shovel out, and start to dig a little bit, well, that distracting behavior is covering for some kind of avoidant behavior. We're actually avoiding something. And the M is the interesting one. And this is the stuff that we do with our clients in coaching is start to identify that distracting and avoiding behavior to get to, well, what's the missing behavior? And this harkens back to our model of Mount Rainier, that up on the slopes of Mount Rainier where there's causation, there's missing elements or pieces that are not available all the time to activate, to sustain effort, to complete. To recall, to pull out some memory and utilize it, working memory, Uh, emotional management. And so this is like the perfect scenario to set us off into some place where if you're playing Animal Crossing more than you want to be, it's likely that you might be in this distracting behavior place. And it's an opportunity to. Look at what are you avoiding and what might be missing because that prefrontal cortex shut down. It's taken offline and you're resorting back to, you've done all this work. Just imagine you've done all this work and here this new reality comes along and it's kind of, you feel like you've sort of taken steps backwards around especially managing ADHD. Those skills are there. But when the prefrontal cortex goes offline, it's really hard to reboot. It's really hard to to address those things that we want to address or can address.
0: So damn lives between intention and action. These are the things that get in the way. And I want to say a little bit more about missing behavior specifically. I think the first two are pretty self-explanatory. Distraction and avoidance. And the distinguishing factor there being, am I just getting distracted or am I actively avoiding thing A by engaging instead in thing B? Missing behavior is the one where my clients go, hmm, what do you mean by that? And so I'm going to give you the same very, very simple example that I give my clients. And with M, I actually call it missing behavior and or missing mechanism. So imagine that you are a person who loses your car keys frequently. Some of you listening might actually be a person who loses your car keys frequently. Well, the missing behavior is putting your car keys in the same place as soon as you walk in the door before you do anything else. The missing mechanism might be a visual cue, a hook or a dish or something to remind you as you walk through the door to place those car keys where they go. So it can be one or the other, it can be both.
1: That's a great example, Shelly. And even if you miss that first mechanism or that visual cue and that putting the keys in that spot, it's coming back and, oh, the keys are on the counter, they don't live there. To go back and and it's sort of like, this is this re-engaging. When you miss the first opportunity, what's that second opportunity? Maybe even third. And so it's not that it has to happen on that first pass. I think that so often we're looking for that perfection or I got to hit it the first time. I I call it sort of uh, using a balance beam metaphor of like sticking the landing. You know, how can we expect to stick the landing when we've got this glitchy executive function occurring? For us that we're we might be miles off thinking about something. And it's not that it's just dist- it is distracting, but it's not necessarily avoidant. It's just we're in a whole nother solar system and we miss that cue to put the keys down.
0: I'm thinking about something that happened so several years ago. I lost my cell phone. I had just made a Costco run and I came home. And Costco runs involve several trips in and out of the house on all three floors of my house as I distribute the dry goods and the frozen goods to the downstairs freezer and the regular pantry goods to the kitchen and so on and so forth. And I lost my cell phone and I retraced my steps several times and couldn't find it. I thought maybe I left it at the store. I just didn't know. You know where it was, Cam? In the freezer. In the deep <laughs> freezer downstairs. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. surprise me. You Doesn't, know, I even I, did the fi- find your Android, you know, had it making obnoxious <laughs> noises, couldn't hear it. What the heck? What the heck? Where did it go? It just
1: vanished. It's in a, it's in a it's in a sound-sealed container. The, like
0: who would ever anticipate that? Right. And so that was just that absence of I wasn't, I set it down to rearrange things in the freezer, but I was thinking about something else.
1: And there's that specific example. The one that I'm thinking about right now is my whole thing around completion, right? And, and listeners that have been listening in for a while know my story about the missing behavior of completion. I'll engage, I'll engage till the, the, the cows come home, but I would never finish. Right? I would never take it to a completion point. That's a missing behavior that was costing me dearly in many different ways. So so now it's to start with identifying where you are. Are you going into if if your demand, excuse me, if your bandwidth is really peeking out and it's, it's causing some kind of shutdown or an emotional response, is to turn that keen observer in that direction. What has you been anxious? You know, Shelly and I were just talking before the session today, the episode, of like there's a lot to, to be anxious about. How is this going to play out? And we're we're actually, that's going to be a topic for a future episode. We're going to give a whole episode to that right there. But this is really anxiety inducing, right? If you're prone to anxiety um, in the first place, then you're going to go down into that valley lower on the slopes of Mount Rainier. If you're prone to ambivalence or boredom, you're likely to go in that direction. And notice how we don't start there. We don't talk about what to do about boredom. We don't talk about what to do about your anxiety. Notice where we are. We're talking about bandwidth because that's above the lunch counter. That's above the lunch counter at causation. Up on those slippery slopes in the clouds is this is where ADHD lives and impacts the greatest. Then it manifests out into our daily experience. So back to damn, just starting to look at what is that, are, are, you know, what are the behaviors? And is it distracting? Are you playing something like Animal Crossing and maybe having a hard time getting off, like playing more than you want to? And what is the motivation for that? Is it that you don't have anything to do? Are you avoiding not facing something? And I want to say something about that. That as you do this, if you struggle or or feel that you can't do it alone, here's our sort of our disclaimer that is so important. There's no reason for you to do this by yourself. And that there are many people and professionals out there that are here to help. And they're setting up shop remotely so they can help you. They're reducing their fees or or doing a lot of pro bono. There is a community out there that is willing to support and help you through this.
0: So Cam, I want to bring up another factor here in addition to this sort of manifestation challenge, right? Those of us that are prone to anxiety like me, and anxiety is the place that often lands me in Hoth, and I'm aware of that. And I'm sort of teetering on that edge right now. I'll be very honest about that. Those of us that are prone to ambivalence or boredom or daydreaming, those of us who struggle to plan and so just feel directionless. These are all challenges. And there are many more that we're not naming. This is where your own manifestation matters. But there's a second component here, and that is the things that we often consider distracting or not good for us are now some of the only things we have access to. Also. And the one I want to touch on is gaming because Cam and I have different experiences with gaming. We were talking about this before we started to record today. For Cam, gaming is always in distracting, avoiding. And he knows that. And we're gonna talk more about that when we talk about our own individual experiences with this pandemic in another episode. But for me and for a couple of my clients, gaming can be a social activity, something that I do with other people. And when we're living in a world where we can only interact with others virtually, it becomes a very appealing option. Same with things like Netflix watching shows together that kind of thing so then the struggle becomes how do i distinguish how do i distinguish between this is constructive time spent socially or spent decompressing or this is time being spent in damn? this is distracting avoiding and it's tough it's tough to do and for people like Cam, Cam, Cam should just not game. And he knows that. For people like me, there's a line to be drawn there. And that prescriptive, well, people with ADHD should just stay away from video games doesn't really work for me. So how do you, how do you draw those lines too? How do you know when it's a constructive behavior versus a avoidant or distracting behavior?
1: What I want to say here at this point is listeners can be thinking, oh, there's a way to do this. Like, there's a right way to do this. Or I should be able to just like, you know, manage my emotions. And remember that you've got this unique brain that is wild, wonderful, and it's prone to ups and downs. There's, there's often methodical and systematic does not necessarily describe our experience so to imagine or to, to think that you're gonna like okay I'm gonna lock in and just you know go through a program right I'm gonna go through this and find the missing behavior and then I'm gonna I'm gonna put into practice the missing behaviors Meanwhile you still have ADHD meanwhile you still have your you're having your emotional experience so bringing in our three-step process of, Understand, own, and translate is don't try to jump to translate too quickly here in the sense of leveraging and moving forward. Is to acknowledge this is the way you deal, to be aware and to be okay, to be okay and be practice grace and generosity with yourself. This is the thing that we beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up. We take ourselves to the woodshed for taking ourselves to the woodshed. Like, oh, there I go again. I'm, I'm not doing this right. Or, you know, why am I so labile right now? Well, we are having our experiences. They're all unique experiences. And I would say that practicing that grace, developing awareness, what belief or thought is generating the feelings you're having? how are those feelings manifesting in your body when we start to move around you know if you're sitting and doing distracting behavior kind of watching social media maybe too much social media then we get into that whole comparing thing that is just a social media thing right of oh look at them they're they're making they're making homemade sanitizer you know they're doing martha stewart and and uh, and and look at them you know they're
0: Sewing face masks.
1: Thank you very much. Sewing face masks, you know, with, with trim, with like nice... <laughs> like,
0: or and, learning and a new here. language or learning how to
1: cook. Right. And, and I'm like barely getting through my day. And so going back to identifying resources, just a couple episodes ago, we introduced, before this whole COVID thing, we introduced resources and strengths And looking at supportive environments and supportive people, right? So, okay, your environment's getting a little stale. The people that are often supportive are maybe underfoot, but you can still go outside and move. That movement and exercise, just moving that body can start to move those thoughts and those feelings. It's phenomenal what that can do. And so getting some fresh air we can still get some fresh air. You can walk around the house. I know that there's some areas where it's very difficult to do. But um, this last weekend, I was outside as my son was mountain biking. I was clearing brush for a skills park at a local bike area. And that was really rewarding. And there was you know, only three of us on an acre. We could practice extreme social distancing there but it was moving about, exercising, and it really allowed me to take my mind off the current situation for that moment.
0: I want to back up just a little bit here too and talk about an emotion that I'm noticing a lot in myself and my clients, and that is guilt. We suddenly have, for many of us, And again, Cam and I recognize that those of you in healthcare fields or working in grocery stores or in other essential services are not having this experience and are having an experience where work is necessarily demanding all of your time and attention. But for most of us, we suddenly have these swaths of time. And it becomes very easy to feel guilty about, well, why am I not using this time to do what I know I ought to do? I have the time now. I should use it. I should maximize it. I should capitalize on it. But your ADHD is still there. The gaps between intention and action are still there. And you are still a human being that needs to practice self-care and rest and downtime. But when we don't have sort of environmental ways to break up our time, or other cues, my cue is not environment. My cue is is away; it's work time. Family is home; it's family time or me time. That cue no longer exists. when we don't have those cues to help break up our time and we don't know what to do with our time, we can start to feel really guilty about what we're not doing.
1: That's a good one. Another one is you know, all of the workers that have lost their jobs, have been furloughed, restaurant workers, service industry where they may have been you know, had a thousand bucks, 500 bucks in the savings account, living paycheck to paycheck, doing it, making it happen, managing your ADD, and then all of a sudden, gone for no reason. You know, we talk about distinguishing things we can and cannot control. This is beyond our control. And all of a sudden, you've lost your job and you've lost prospects of any kind of income and the anxiety that that can produce. And so identifying supports there is so important because the anxiety serves a purpose, right? It lets us know, okay, this has my attention. This is important. But how do we take that and move into, from this this awareness state, more into action. What can we do to take care of those basic needs so that you can keep that apartment, that you can keep addressing those basic needs as we soldier on through this experience?
0: Yeah, and the other source of anxiety, certainly for me, is people I love who are at risk. Mm. My dad, two years ago, was in the hospital for a week with congestive heart failure. He now sleeps with oxygen every night. And he's in his 70s. And he was a smoker for most of his life. So somewhere in the very back of my brain, there's that. There's if my dad contracts this virus, he's going to die. And my sister-in-law is a nurse at a small regional hospital and the only hospital around for a rural area. And so if they get overwhelmed, it's going to be all hands on deck. It doesn't matter what her usual job is. She will be right in the thick of it. And as we hear stories about viral load and how it's affecting healthcare workers, you know, the higher the viral load, the worse worse the virus manifests, I worry about that too. Well, I can't control those things. What I can control is calling my dad more often, sort of turning my attention to the fact that coronavirus or not, he's in his 70s. So I should probably capitalize on the time that I have to talk to him and spend with him as much as possible. And for my sister-in-law, offering help. You know, if you get to a situation where you are sleeping at work because they put cots, you know, very small hospital. So they've already brought in cots for staff to stay. If it gets to that point, let us know how we can help. Can we help with the kids? Can we help with the dog? Can we bring you supplies? Whatever you need, we got you. That's what I can do.
1: Right. Last night, my son woke up coughing. Oh, no. With this dry cough and i saw the, the light on you know in the hallway we we went out he had the light on so my wife is the she's the the pulmonary specialist right i <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not you know but this morning we were talking and like we both had that parental anxiety spike of oh my god you know our is this it does he have it and he responded to, it turned out it was an allergic reaction, and he, he responded to a Claritin. But that happened. That intense emotional response, I think, was really important was the two of us this morning, before the kids got up, talked about it. Right? We discussed it and both acknowledged you know, that, that we both had that response. I think that can be so helpful what happens and i think this is another future episode is that these emotions get trapped in our brains with that circular thinking so up on the slopes of Rainier circular thinking that circular thinking which is manifests as or lunch counter rumination
0: yes right? the ruminator shows up and back to my dad i could just spend days going down the same paths of what could happen. Well, I can't control what might happen. I've told him what best practices are. I can't make him follow those best practices. All I can do is call my dad more often. That's the control I have. And that's how I stop the circular thinking is reminding myself of that.
1: Right. And there's the missing behavior. that you identified the missing behavior that you identified and inserted there was to disrupt the circular thinking with what, what can I do? What is, what is this that's happening and what can I do about it? And when we take that and move into action, then the emotion lives differently. It will live differently once we do something that we can do it's so interesting that you hear dad my dad sounds exactly the same in the sense that he's 92 he is um, has congestive heart failure has oxygen and we had a really tough time with him um, just with with complications he's he got through that and he's actually in a good place right now both my parents are in Almost, it's interesting how they're in better shape than any of the, the kids, but, you know, having those thoughts, having that concern about a loved one and taking that and leveraging that into action of calling them, not think, just thinking about them, but, you know, oh, well, I can call them and check in and, you know, how are you doing? Not out of anxiety and fear, but just... Uh, just making connection, right? Just talking. I think that that's another fascinating thing that I'm realizing that the conversations that I'm having, the conversation I had with you before this and this right now, there's a certain gravity to it or meaning to it that I think we take for granted. That we, I'm cherishing the conversations that I'm having, whether it was with my wife this morning, about my son, with you right now, with my clients, with friends, with other colleagues, to really think about this moment. And oh, by the way, there's something else that can happen. I just wanna, I know I'm doing my high associative right now, but that whole idea of what if, and we can do this time travel in the sense of how is this gonna play out we get into an emotional and anxiety state or anxious state, but to come back to the moment right now, practicing presence and being in this moment. And again, back to damn is what am I doing here? Am I doing something because I'm not locating and practicing a behavior that is underutilized? Am I in this avoidant place? What am I avoiding? who can I look at this with? Get the thoughts, get the feelings out of the head, put them on paper, share them with others. Don't overwhelm them. It's not about overwhelming, but to get them to see the light of day. The analogy I use with my clients around this is it's sort of like a bog, right? A bog or you know a swamp where it's sort of, uh, it's that anaerobic, no oxygen, no sunlight. And to take a giant stirring spoon, and really kind of stir that, stir it so the stuff down below comes to the surface, gets oxygen, gets sunlight. It's really important. Do that with someone who can support you there. Do that with someone who is professionally trained to help you. They're there. They're available.
0: So I kind of want to take us out on a funny little aside that's going on in my household right now. And that is the way my husband and I are coping with our anxiety around whether or not we might be sick. There was actually a case at our local gas station, the one that we use to buy gas and to run in and buy convenience items. And my husband works at a very large company where his coworkers are sent on international travel for work reasons frequently. And my husband has general anxiety, the sort where he is prone to worrying about the things that are outside of his control. Whereas my anxiety generally manifests around what I'm not doing or what is within my control that I'm not controlling. So we have all this anxiety in the household right now. And we kind of have this little ritual. We have our temporal thermometer, you know, the forehead thermometer. Yeah. It uh, lives on my nightstand. And whenever both of us are in the bedroom, inevitably one of us will pick it up and just give a swipe. Okay. 98.6. All right. Give it to me. The other one will pick it up. Give it a swipe. Okay. 98.6. We'll laugh it off and move on. Because we can't know if we have it and we're asymptomatic. We just can't know because testing is not available enough to know all we can know is do we have a fever or not do we have other symptoms or not so two three times a day just quick swipe okay no temperature and that as silly as that sounds and it is silly a we're approaching it with a sense of humor you know we laugh at each other as we take our temperature for the third or fourth or fifth time that day and b it's the thing we can do. So the act of taking the temperature takes away that sort of circular rumination around, am I sick? And what will happen if I get sick? And which hospital should I go to if I get sick? And will I even be admitted if I get sick? Because right now I don't have a fever. Most places aren't even talking to you if you don't have a fever. So okay, I don't have a fever. So whatever that dry cough is, we're not going to worry about it yet. I can still breathe. Everything's okay. That's that's all I can control.
1: That's awesome. I love that. And I love the your statement there about you do this activity, this little gesture, take your temp and move on. That's the part that got my attention. And you move on, right? Yeah. Don't stay in that circle of thinking of rumination. And you're right. It's not just something that people with ADHD do. That anxiety is a very normal human behavior. And you don't have to have ADHD to have anxiety. It just tends to manifest a little differently in us than others. Absolutely. And to know know that and to recognize the signs. and uh, keep breathing and keep finding those resources to move forward. Can I, I what I want to do is I want to give a shout out to a few resources. Sure. As, as we finish up here, Shelly, is that okay? Absolutely. I think that, again, my message to everyone, if you, and if your prefrontal cortex is jeopardized and there's a lot of demand on your bandwidth, is not to suffer alone. The stigma with ADHD is often there's shame, there's stigma, and a quiet suffering. And that there are resources out there, there's communities out there. Out on Twitter, I'm thinking about Renee Brooks. She's been doing some great stuff around a cleaning uh, workbook, of all things. But she's doing it in a way where getting donated copies for people who can't pay for it. An ADHD coach, Dusty Chapura, she's out of Vancouver, and she's doing these almost daily dance parties. And and she's just, and like you said, it's this element of fun can help to really alleviate that uh, emotional response to get moving, to have fun, to laugh. And so she's doing some great work. Over on Attitude Magazine, two people who have posted some online articles. One is, if you're struggling with your relationship, one of my colleagues, uh, Melissa Orlov, who is the ADHD marriage person, she just wrote something. So If you look up O-R-L-O-V on Attitude Magazine, she's got a recent one of, again, like coping right now right when you've got everyone under the same roof that's going to create some stress it's going to create some anxiety uh tamara rosier has one around catastrophizing right so some specific things but identifying these resources and not suffering alone and finally as you look at this and how it manifests is to make your way up to the lunch counter and beyond right? If you find yourself saying, I'm bored, this is so boring. Boredom is manifestation. The boredom is there for several reasons beyond your control in the sense of you can't go out and do what you've always done. And you might have a, a brain, you know, up the slopes of Mount Rainier that is needs high stimulation. And that's just not going to happen. And so, what is the opportunity there? But taking that and venturing up to the lunch counter, what are those ADD level one symptoms? And then looking beyond to what is the causation? Is there a missing behavior that might be an opportunity to develop, as you said last week, your client who is finding a way, finding that behavior to get off Twitch so he could transition and go to? bed at a reasonable hour practicing those basic routines and self-care practices that is an opportunity here is to look at this and step back and do some work do some work and not necessarily do it by yourself
0: excellent resources cam and I'll simply add that in addition to those ADHD resources, there are so many organizations and people, artists, musicians, doing creative things to bring you experiences Mm. that you would normally only have going out into the world. So look for variety, you know, look for those experiences that you would seek out if you could go out into the world. And the one that I'm loving is we all know I'm a big fish fan, the band fish. They have started doing something called dinner in a movie. So they have a they have a song called dinner in a movie. And what they're doing right now is on Tuesday nights at eight 30 Eastern, they're airing on live fish, which is the platform where they stream their live shows. You can I'm watch. I'm going. I'm
1: going. Are you going to go to dinner I'm and a movie going. with me I'm tomorrow? Gonna, I, I will go. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> let's do it. But. I've got, i got to figure out this fish thing. I got <laughs> So they stream all of their shows. If you are at home when Fish is playing a live concert, you can buy the stream and watch it live. Well, what they're doing right now on LiveFish.com on Tuesdays at 8:30 is they are airing an older webcast a previously played webcast, and they're pairing it with one of their favorite recipes from one of the band members, hence dinner and a movie. So if you're looking for a musical experience, you can check that out, but I know that they're not the only ones doing that. I've seen musicians, as a music fan in general, I've seen musicians all over the place bringing experiences to their fans and looking for ways to sort of broaden what the at-home experience can look like.
1: Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. so Great place to finish up.
0: Absolutely. So again, we're going to stay on these very timely topics as long as it's relevant to do so. We do plan on releasing weekly episodes as per normal, as long as it's possible to do so. And if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you can leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. If you have feedback to share, if you want to share your experiences during this pandemic or have a topic you want us to address around this pandemic, you can hit us up on the website TranslatingADHD.com or on Twitter at TranslatingADHD. And until next week, I'm Shelly.
1: And I'm Cam. And this was translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.